0: I wanna speak on the subject I entitled Strongholds That Block Your Progress in Ministry. Strongholds that block your progress in ministry. Now I'm I want us to treat this subject because I take it that if you are here on Wednesday, it means that you have a love for God and you have you want to see the house of God progress. And you want to do something, your little and your much for the Lord. Am I making sense? So if you are here, then it means that you have a certain love for ministry. Second Corinthians chapter 4, chapter 10, verse 4 to 6. It says that the weapons of our warfare, the weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. I'm reading NIV. On the contrary, they are, have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive, we take captive every thought. To, why, is, why are the lights blinking? Is it me or the lights are blinking? Sorry? It's because they are disturbing me. We demolish argument and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And we will be ready to punish every act of disobedience once our obedience is complete. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, guys, I'm not happy with what you are doing. This is not the time to be doing all this. The new King James, give me the new King James version. It says, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God for the pulling down of strongholds, verse five, casting down argument and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when our obedience is fulfilled. Amen. Now, strongholds are holds that hold you strong. They say you should never ever use the word you are trying to define in the definition of the word, isn't it? English says that you shouldn't. Okay, so I'll attempt to um, define strongholds. A stronghold is a prison without walls. Is that better? It's a prison that one chooses to live in. Because it's a voluntary prison it is the hardest prison to break out of. But it's a prison nevertheless. How many will voluntarily want to live in a prison? Why do you think nobody wants to live in a prison? Because a prison restricts you. A prison restricts your movement. A prison restricts your what you want to do. A prison will, will make it difficult for you to achieve and attain Anything you have planned to do. If you are in prison, your, your freedom is curtailed. It is restricted. Your movement is restricted. Where you can go, who you can see, who you can talk to, who you can do business with, these are all restricted because you are in prison. But would it not be too difficult that this prison that you live in has no walls, has no uh, prison warden, has no gates, has no bars, no padlocks, padlocks, and yet it's a prison and everything that a prison has, it has. Am I explaining what a, a, a stronghold is? A stronghold can be something that restricts your movement. Now, I don't want you to think about strongholds in the negative alone. Because a stronghold can also be a positive. For instance, the stronghold of our faith has changed us to a certain level. Yeah, I don't know whether you understand me. Has changed us to a certain level that we cannot drift. It's, that's why we sang the song, Will Your Anchor Hold. We are anchored. When, when the ship is anchored, it means the ship is not free to toss and turn anyhow it wants. The waves will blow, the winds will blow, but the the the, the ship is anchored, is moored, and because it's moored, it cannot move. So that's a stronghold. That's a positive stronghold. Amama making says because if the waves come and the billows roll and the rig, the tempest uh, come, the likelihood of a of a ship being able to sail through is Almost impossible. Am uh, I'm I making sense? So, if you are able to anchor the ship to a rock and it's firm and deep, then you are, you are okay. Then the winds and, the, and all those things that come will not necessarily uh, take you out. You will survive. Are you with me? So strongholds can be good. Wow. We've, always We've always seen strongholds are negative, but they are positive strongholds just as they are negative strongholds. Hallelujah. The, 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 Paul says that all things are lawful to me, but not all things are expedient. And I will not be brought. Under uh, the the subjection of these things, I will not be brought under the prison of these things. What he was saying is that because of the stronghold I have, I will not bring myself to a place where I let myself go. Myself. I have restricted myself, and he said somewhere else that I, I do not fight as one who beats the air. I I, I, I keep my body under. So that as when I finish preaching the gospel to everybody, I myself will not be a curse. So, that's a stronghold that Paul had. That I may know him and that I may have fellowship with his suffering so that I'll be made conformable to his image. I, I he said, he said somewhere else that, um, Uh, all these things that I gained, I count them as done that I may apprehend Christ and the reason for which he apprehended me, which means that he had a strong mindset to be in a certain area, to be in a certain uh, doing a certain thing for his faith. Okay? So, stronghold is not just Stronghold is not just negative. Have I cleared that bit? So we'll talk about the positive strongholds later, but I want us to focus on the prison of strongholds, the negative ones that tends to hold us and not make us do well in ministry. And there are a, a few of them. You may not see them as strongholds but they are strongholds. That is why in Hebrews chapter 12, he says that, let us therefore lay aside, because of a cloud of witnesses that have gathered uh, and are looking at us whilst we run the race. He says that, let us, put, put the Hebrews, he says what, therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our, I mean, verse 2 now. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. And he has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Hallelujah. So he's saying that there are some wits that easily fastens itself to us as we are running. Can you imagine you are running and you have uh, maybe like a 50 pound uh, weight fastened to your, your belt? Would you be able to run fast? Uh, One of the trainings that um, training regime that What's the name? Usain Boltz does is that he ties uh, uh, like a tractor tire mm-hmm. on his belt and he tries to run with it. Mm-hmm. That's one of his training regimes. And, and it's a difficult thing because when you are running and you have something that is tied, it, it doesn't make you run freely. It is not the same as running without a weight. Are you getting what I'm saying? And sometimes we run as, as Christians, we run with weights tied against us. And because it's a, a, a stronghold that we have pleasantly accepted, we cannot, we, one, we don't see it as a stronghold. Yeah. And two, we don't realize the danger that we are in. A very good example of somebody who was doing ministry with a stronghold that I want us to talk about maybe for a few minutes is something. Something was <clears throat> something was a uh, can you take the mid out? Something was a guy who take the mid out. Give me a bit of business. My voice is still not back, so forgive me. Are you okay with me? Can you hear me? Okay. Samson was a guy who was born to full-time ministry. His full-time ministry was to be a judge of the people of Israel. God actually gave his mother, who was a barren woman, the gift. You know, almost all the, the significant people in the Bible were born to barren women, especially in the Old Testament. All the significant, they are born to barren women. And because they do a promise, he was a promise to be the savior of Israel against the Philistines. He was born and endowed with supernatural power, supernatural ability to do extraordinary things. You know, the Holy Spirit in us gives us the, 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 the power and gives us, the, enables us to do extraordinary things like Samson did. We have, we have that power in us to do things that, that doesn't come easy. But that power in us, the Holy Spirit in us is not going to overcome the strongholds. Uh, I don't know whether you understand what I'm saying. Samson was anointed. He was gifted he was a man of God. And yet, his movement and his ministry was bound because of the strongholds that he allowed into his life. Remember, I said strongholds, you must be a willing prisoner. Am I making sense? I want to take my time so that you understand it. You must be a willing participant, the willing prisoner. Because the day you disagree with the prison, you can just walk out. Okay? My, my prayer for, uh, f- with this message is that by the time we finish discussing this message, we will break out from all our, our little little strongholds. Yeah. A stronghold can be a big thing or it can be a small thing. <laughs> Whatever it is, it's still a stronghold. The the serpent that you don't deal with in Genesis, by revelation, turns into a dragon. The habit that you don't treat now, as time goes on, that habit will kill you. The stronghold that Samson did not deal with, it was the same stronghold that killed him. That destroyed him, that made him go blind. That made him become a physical prisoner. It was a mental prison. It was a spiritual prison, mental prison, and it became a physical prison. That process is the same process that every one of us will go through if we don't deal with strongholds. Amen. In uh, is it, uh, Jeremiah twenty-nine it says that the hand of God is not short, that He cannot save. nor His ear heavy that He cannot here, but your sin has created an enmity between you and God so that he will not so that he will not hear you. Uh, Are you you getting it? That, 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 um, that thing is a stronghold. The stronghold is the sin is what creates the barrier so that we are not able to do what God, we are not able to communicate with God. We are not able to see what, what God is not able to hear us. God is not able to deliver us and then we end up dying. Amen. This is exactly what happened to Samson. At a point he, he could not, he was a man of God but because of this, the stronghold grew bigger and bigger and bigger until it imprisoned him. Uh, are you okay with me so far? So, strongholds Are uh, something that we should not play with. A stronghold can be a personal attitude. Something like worry can be a stronghold. It doesn't matter how um, anointed you are. If naturally you are a warrior. When I say a warrior, is it in good English? I don't know. Some, somebody, somebody who is given to worry. If you are somebody who is always worried about things, you overanalyze things, that thing will imprison you. Amen. Worrying can be a stronghold. Seeking the approval of others. Is something that if you how many have that thing or oh, not you but you know somebody who always want to be in the good books of men give me a wave you're always not sure about what you are doing you're not sure about so you want people to always give thumbs up you see in, in in working for God in doing the ministry God will put you in a place where you you will be isolated that people will not always say good things about you. People will always not approve of you. People will always not be in agreement with you. And so if you are somebody who always wants people's thumbs up, you are restricting yourself from being totally used by God. Amen. Amen. Because God will always use you to a point where people will not accept you. After they sang Hosanna. After they went to the wilderness and he fed them with food. He healed their sick. Those who were uh, dead, he even raised their dead. And did all those things. The same people, him, Jesus still being used by God. He got to a point where they said crucify him. So if Jesus was always seeking the approval of men, he would have gotten to a place where he would not have been in the will of God. His ministry would have been cut short. Uh, am, Am I talking to somebody? Okay. This is a Wednesday Bible class. So, I'm taking my time. I want you to understand. I want to build your faith. So, we have shouted. We have done all that over the weekend. Now, let's get to business and do proper Christianity. Is that Okay. So, anything that you cannot, you cannot, I'm trying to make you understand strongholds. It can be anything that once it becomes a habit, remember anything that you do over a prolonged period becomes a habit. Are you with me? A habit is something that you default to. You don't even think, but you do it. How many understand what I'm saying? A habit is something that you default before you realize you are doing it. And some people have the habit of picking their nose. It is a habit that if you are not conscious, your default will be to pick your nose. How many understand? Uh, 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 people have different habits. Whatever the habit is, a habit can easily become a stronghold. Amen. Incidentally, if you can go contrary to the habit 21 days, you'll break that habit. If you can do the opposite of whatever the habit is for 21 days consistently, you'll break it. <laughs> I, I, I think, I think I, I, I wrote a whole chapter in uh, my book on builders. It doesn't come out yet. <laughs> but the whole chapter is on habits and how habits are formed and how habits can be broken. Amen. Anything that you make an idol in your life can be a stronghold. Some people have the habit of wanting adulations. Wanting fans. They want the applause of men. And that becomes a stronghold. There's a guy in the Bible called Saul. Now the thing's gone. Stop playing with it because my mind goes into it as soon as you start playing with it. Saul was disapproved by God because he had a habit. Saul was an insecure person. Okay. Saul always wanted approval of his subjects. The Bible says that he stood head head and shoulder above all the people in Israel. He was a big guy. He was a tall guy, big guy, and yet he was a little guy in inside. Inside, inside he was not as big and tall as he physically was. Inside. He was small he in his eyes. How <laughs> I, I many I understand yeah. what I'm saying? That some people are very small inside that they, they always want people's nodding. People's approval, people's you know okay and say so. If you have that, then that becomes a stronghold. And God can't use certain because y- you you've made people your god instead of God. Are uh, 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 you understand what I'm saying? So you you you, you need to understand that these uh, as little as these things are. These are some of the reasons why people cannot really serve God wholeheartedly and people cannot do much for the Lord because depending on men wanting people's applause, wanting people's approval. Bible says that want you when all men speak well of you. Be careful when everybody likes likes you. I, I learned this long ago, that in ministry, you will not be a popular person all the time. If you are going to be a pastor and a great man of God, a great woman, if you are going to work, forget about being a pastor. If you want to work in the house of God, to any appreciable level, know that people will criticize you. People will not be happy with you. People will not like you all the time. You will not be the favorite all the time. Don't want to be the favorite. Don't want the approval of men all the, all the time. Tommy Walker wrote a song, For the praises of men, I will never, ever stand. You see, Paul says that, Do I now seek the approval of men? do I now seek men's approval? If I seek to please men, I will not please God. Anytime you put man and men and their feelings before God, you are out of coverage area where God is concerned. Uh, are Are you getting it? Yeah. So you have to you have to Have a certain, if you're going to be in ministry and survive and do well, you have to understand that anything, little, little things, those little, little things, they are the ones that you have to be mindful of. Amen. So, let's talk about a few strongholds. The first one I want to talk about is fear. Fear is the opposite of faith. Amen. Fear is the opposite of what? Faith. Anyone? Hmm. I have a whole note of on uh, definition of strong. But I'll leave some for Sunday. Is that okay? All right. So Sunday we'll still talk about a few definitions. Mark chapter 4, verse 35. Mark chapter 4, 35 to 41. And that day, when the evening came, he said to his disciples, Let us go to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along. Just as he was in the boat, they were also, there were also other boats with him. A furious quail came up, and the waves broke over the boat. So they nearly. So, it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stand sleeping on a cushion and the disciples woke him and said, teacher, don't you care if we drown? And he rebuked the wind and he said, and said to the winds, quiet, be quiet. Quiet, be still. And the wind died down and it was completely calm. Then he said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? afraid? In the other... Translation, why are you so fearful and unbelieving? Do you not have faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Hallelujah. Amen. In ministry, you will have to deal with the spirit of fear. Amen. Amen. In ministry, you will have to deal with fear. Almost everything that you will do for God, will come to a point and a place where you will be one, unsure, two, insecure, three, doubting yourself, four, overwhelmed by the magnitude of the thing that you are, going to, you are doing and all these things will engender fear. Anything that you do for God, it will get to a place where you will doubt yourself. You'll be overwhelmed by the enormity of of the thing. You You will be afraid. What if it doesn't work? What if it doesn't work? You want to lay hands on somebody who is sick. What if the person doesn't get healed? I'll be embarrassed. Everything in ministry that you do, it is not, you see, in life, most, most times, everything is like calculated, isn't it? And human beings as we are, we like to know the outcome of anything we are doing. We want to be sure. We don't like new things that makes us unsure. How many understand what I'm saying? People generally don't like things that they are not in control. Everybody wants to control what they are doing all the time to understand and know that, yeah, I've got this. This is how it's going to work. This, this and this will work. So that's, that's, how, that's it. But for God, in ministry, God will always want you to be in a place where you are not in control. Are you with me? Anytime you work for God, you get to a place where you are not sure. If you are sure, then it's not God. I mean, understand what I say. If you are sure, it is not God. If you are unsure, that is God. Amen. the The Bible says in Hebrews eleven that all these people they went. They built a city without walls. They didn't know what they were doing. They didn't know where they were going. They didn't have a clue. But that is what—that is the foundation of faith. That is why they all qualified to be in Hebrews chapter eleven, because the things that we can see are made up of the things that we don't see. Are you with me? I, 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 He says that faith is a substance of this hope for the evidence of which things not seen by which the elders obtained a good report and we know that the things that are are made out of the things that we cannot see. Hmm. Are are you getting it? By faith then he started mentioning names. Hmm. Abraham by faith Noah by faith, mm-hmm. Moses by faith mm-hmm. started mentioning all these guys and all that. I mean, how do you build a big ship mm-hmm. in a, on the a, on a ground where there's no sea around? And he said, you are preparing for, for, flats. for flats. It doesn't make sense. You will, be you will be ridiculed by men because what you are doing is that like, you know what you are doing. Do you, do you understand what you are doing? And, and that is how ministry is. Ministry will make you do something that make, doesn't make sense. And it makes you think that, ah, you know what you are doing. I mean, we walked into Leeds not knowing anybody. We only knew a couple. And we came here because of this but we didn't know where this was going to come from. Because if we had known where this was going to come from, then it wouldn't be God. We had been in Birmingham and built a church in Birmingham, successful church that has so many branches. We're doing four services. As of the time I was leaving, there were four services being done in Birmingham church. So, it's like you have succeeded in this place, what makes you think that you will succeed the same success here? And what if you don't succeed? Would you not be laughed at? Would you not be ridiculed? Look at this man. He started and he couldn't finish. He started and he failed. Do you know that two out of every three churches that have started failed? So the probability of a church failing is bigger. It's twice the, the probability of it succeeding. Are you getting it? So if you're going to analyze, if you're somebody who likes to analyze things and then all this, stronghold will catch you yeah. and hold you strong. You will not even start. You know it's like, oh, come and sing. What if you forget the words? You have seen many forget the words. What if it doesn't work? Then what? The cameras are all on you. It's being beamed live. Over hundred and something people are watching you live. What if? How many understand fear? Fear is something that Jesus told the people why are you so fearful and unbelieving? In other words, fear goes with unbelief. Incidentally, in the last verse, in the last uh, chapter of the Bible, I think verse 21, it says that and the fearful and unbelieving would take their place in hell with all the witches, the drunkards, the prostitutes. Look for that scripture for me. If it's not 21, it'll be 27. Revelation. The very last chapter. The last chapter in Revelation. Revelation. Twenty-two. Put it up. Uh, Twenty-one. Verse eight. But the Fearful. fearful, the cowardly there is fearful. Use the King James for me. The fearful and unbelieving, the abominable, murderous, whoremongers, sorcerers, idolaters, liars. These shall all take their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstones, which is the second death. So he equates people who are afraid with murderers and with prostitutes. Can you see that? Why are you smiling? (laughs) You are wondering. It is because fear is the stronghold that binds you from achieving what God wants you to achieve. So that is how much God hates it. Uh, I don't know whether you understand what I'm saying. Fear will always capture you and not make you do anything for God. Amen. Amen. The Bible says, the opposite of fear is faith, isn't it? Yes. In 1 John 5, 4, the Bible says that they that are born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. So, the thing that will overcome the world is faith. Right. The thing that will bring defeat to you is fear. Because the opposite of faith is fear. Faith will bring victory. Fear will bring Defeat, and just as faith comes, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Fear also comes by hearing, and hearing by what you hear. <laughs> what you see, what you hear, brings fear. Like I just gave you a stat, a statistic to say that two out of every three church, churches that starts fail. Immediately you hear that. Hey, Which number am I, I going to be? Am I going to be one out of three or two out of three? Immediately fear enters and you cannot. Yeah. When they say to you that you're going to write the test and they say this test is very difficult. Oh, nobody passes. pass pass rate is 30%. Immediately, fear catches you. So, before you enter the the exam room, you put yourself in the 70% who don't pass. So, that when you pass, you are surprised. Hallelujah. Anytime you want to serve God for real you will come into contact with fear. Always. And remember that God hasn't given us a spirit of fear. He's given us a spirit of power, of love, and of a sound mind. Do not allow fear. What what will people say? What if I don't succeed? What if I fail? Paul gave a very good uh, Analogy that I like. In Philippians 121. It says that for me to live is Christ. And to die is gain. If I live it's for him. If I die it's for him. So why am I going to be afraid? I'm going to go on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Number two. Number two stronghold. Is the stronghold of the flesh. <laughs> this is the stronghold that that Samson know. suffered with. <laughs> His last, <laughs> last fear. In First John, two fifteen, he says that love not the world nor the things that are in the world. For the things that are in the world, the la, the the, the last of the flesh the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. All these things are in the world. Uh, it's not of the father but it's of the world. Hallelujah. The lust of the flesh. Anytime your flesh your flesh is a stronghold. It's a stronghold. That is why spiritual anything you are going to do spiritually your flesh will fight it. It always fights it. If you say you, you are busy and you are working all the whole day and you don't eat, you'll be all right. But as soon as you decide that today I'm fasting, that is when you realize that hey, by 9 a.m. your flesh will remind you that hey, I'm here. Oh, it doesn't happen to you. As soon as you tell yourself that you are fasting, immediately, immediately, you see that your flesh will tell you, hey, what do you think you are doing? (laughs) Today, coming to church, your flesh told you, hey, you have done this the whole week (laughs) <laughs> what are you doing we are not used to this type of life can we stay home and sleep how many know what I'm talking about your flesh told you this ah, so it wasn't just me your flesh will tell you hey why you get home you won't sleep this flesh this flesh, this flesh this if you allow this flesh, this flesh will fight you. The Bible said the spirit is at war with the flesh and the flesh is at war with the spirit. Anything to do with ministry, your flesh will fight. You want to stay up to pray, your eyes will fight with you. You want to read the Bible, your eyes will cross right now. This is this is because this is because Uh, see, your eyes have crossed then, uh, before you realize. Yeah. <laughs> How many understand what I'm saying? Oh, and those are the things that stops us from serving God and doing well for God. Anything to do, I mean like us coming to church Monday to Friday 12 hours every day. You know the number of pastors who have called me Say, said, how do you people do it? <laughs> one bishop told me that I can't get my people to even stay for one hour. One extra hour. How do you do it? I said, we, we crucify the flesh. Daily. 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 And we have a, a, a soldier who holds the gun. <laughs> so that when they see you sleeping, we we'll fire you. And because of the fear of the firing squad, we all stay awake. <laughs> <laughs> and the soldier who is holding a gun must make sure that he doesn't sleep. <laughs> <laughs> How many understand? He said, Paul says that I keep my body under. I discipline myself. You have to discipline yourself. If Samson had disciplined himself, Delilah would not have had the advantage. Amen. If we are going to work for God, we have to discipline our body. Don't have to allow the flesh. This flesh, if you allow the flesh, it will disgrace you. I cannot tell you the number of great men of God who are fallen because of the flesh. And we are no different. We are no different. So we have to be mindful. It's not everything the flesh wants that the flesh must have. <laughs> that is why fasting is a good thing. Because the more you fast, the more you tell the flesh that you are not in charge. today, this morning, I said I was fasting this morning. And uh, my workplace is a little hill. By the time I climbed the hill up, my eyes started crossing. And then I told myself, well, you have been, there's a whole week that you have been preaching. So this muffin that if you, if you eat it, it will be very powerful. <laughs> with a cup of tea, with this muffin. Then I remember that today I'm going to talk about the flesh. I said, No. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot be, be beaten my, by my flesh and come and preach about the flesh. I said, Okay, yeah, not today. Because I mean, for fasting me, by the grace of God, fasting is not something that I struggle with. I don't struggle with it. I can do seven days consistently. But I don't understand why today or four days, just six to six, I was struggling. It didn't make sense. And we're talking about nine before 9 a.m. <laughs> Normally before 9 a.m. I should not be hungry. Under normal circumstances, I should not be hungry. Why am I hungry? and think about muffin, which is something I don't even like. A cup of tea. And a cup of tea. <laughs> but that is what the flesh can do if you allow it. it can bring the muffin to life. <laughs> you don't like McDonald's, but the oh, day you start fasting, oh, you see McDonald's oh, It guies that oh, you oh, see it's oh, recalling oh, you. The cheese on it will be calling you. you. are normally when you see cheese, you don't mean like cheese. Chicken nuggets and fries. Hallelujah! We are preaching. It's a stronghold. This is strong. Some of us, our flesh is too strong. Say you want to pray, then your flesh say no. Then you say no. You want to go to church? Your flesh say not today. Then you say to say not today. You want to dance, your flesh is not here. If it's a nightclub, you can dance, but here you can't dance. Then he says, It's due to our own dance. Why, don't, why don't you start challenging your flesh? Why? Why, yeah. not? why not? Why not? I said, Why don't you start challenging your flesh? Why not? Why not? In the house of God, why don't you challenge your flesh and do the opposite of what your flesh is telling you to do? Yes, the opposite. Yes. Hallelujah. Am I talking to somebody? Oh. The, the flesh, if you allow the flesh, it will disgrace you. If you allow the flesh, you will not do anything for God. You want to evangelize outside. You've seen somebody you want to talk to. The flesh will tell you, hey, what if the person slaps you? What if the person walks away? You'll be embarrassed. But I read somewhere in the Bible. Be happy when people despitefully use you. Mm. Did you also read that yeah. place? In a, is it in the Bible? Yeah. When, when they spit at, on you, you gain points with God. It says that those that win souls, they shall be like the stars in heaven. So, why don't we? If we go and the person says no, whose fault? Who, whose who's <laughs> loss? It's his loss. At least you have shared the word with him. Amen. Am I talking to somebody? Number three Pride. Number three is pride. The third stronghold is pride. Somebody say pride. Pride, pride is a very strong. Proverbs six sixteen to 19. There are six things the Lord hates. Seven that are detestable to him. A haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked, wicked schemes, Feet that are quick to rush into evil. A false witness who pours out lies and a person who stirs up conflict in the community. Amen. The Bible says, God hates a proud look. He hates pride so much that even the look of pride makes him have a fit. Amen. Amen. And in ministry, success in ministry will make you feel proud. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Are preaching. Ministry brings prosperity. Mm-hmm. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and, and all other things will be added to you. So yeah. as you are seeking God yeah. and serving God, God will bless you, you and prosper you. Mm-hmm. And when you get... Pro- Uh, when prosperity comes, the first thing that enters you is pride. When you are poor and you didn't have much, it was okay to come and sweep and come and do the the, uh, video and the camera. Now that you are earning seven figures, now that you are a millionaire, now that you have just signed a contract of five million or 20 million. Would you still hold the camera in church? Ask them. Ask them. Ask them. Ask them. Elvis, would you still be behind the camera? Put the camera on your face. (laughs) (laughs) Now that you've signed a contract of 50 million. Out of which about 40% or 50% is your profit. Who watches the watchman? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, Who videos the video video man? (laughs) Listen, as we serve God, God is going to prosper us. Amen. God will lift us up. Amen. We are all going to be prosperous. Amen. But don't allow prosperity to drive you away from the thing that blessed you. I, I don't know whether you understand what I'm saying. I've seen it happen so many times. I've seen it happen so many times. People who are serving God passionately in the house of God, doing everything that things of God, singing, doing evangelism, praying, and all that. And then they get prospered by God. They get promoted. Small promotion. You get, you have a a, a husband, you have a a, a, a wife, children, and then you can't go to church anymore. It's a shame. It's a shame. It's an error. It's a shame. Mm -hmm. Now when you can, you pack a brand new uh, car, sports car in front so you can't, you can't come to church you can't come one hour before service to operate the camera anymore if they do you will employ somebody full time to operate the camera if they do you employ somebody to sweep the church we don't want someone to come and sweep the church and be paid by you no, we want you yourself to sweep the church how beautiful it would be if if millionaires are, are hoovering the house of God and serving the house of God let us not allow pride number two selfish ambition number four selfish ambition selfish ambition okay I think my time is up isn't it We'll continue next week. I should begin to finish. Okay. I don't, think, I don't think I'm like Dr. Frank. Luke chapter 9, 46 to 50. I'm not going to read it. Just read it. An argument broke up among the, the, the disciples as to which one of them was the greatest. I mean, look at something. As the church begins to, we see thousand, five thousand, ten thousand people in the church. Let it not happen that we have an argument as to who is the greatest in the church. Which of the pastors is the greatest? Which of the worshipers is the greatest? Which of the camera people is the greatest? no and Jesus said Jesus said something you see in the world the way they look out for who the greatest is in the world is different from the way things happen in the house of God in the house of God the least is the greatest hallelujah except you make yourself like a child you cannot be am I talking to somebody in Matthew 2020 20 to 28, the mother of Zebedee, the sons of Zebedee came to Jesus and said that, uh, can you do me a favor? Let one of my children sit on the left and one on the right. Striving for position. Hallelujah. Let us not be people who compare ourselves with each other or strive to do better than others. Be in your own lane. Compete to get the best out of you. Amen. I said amen. Amen. Let us not compare ourselves with ourselves. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.